Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 142, where we will be picking up in Jeremiah chapter 10. Before we get started, I just wanted to say I trust that everybody had a wonderful Christmas celebration yesterday. Um, in these times of uh, COVID-19, where we're supposed to be distancing ourselves from each other and wearing masks and all that stuff to keep ourselves safe, uh, these things and these activities are the, the antithesis of what we want to do in this holiday season, in this Christmas season. You know, we want to uh, well wish, we want to hug, we want to kiss each other. A lot of times, um, you know, students are coming back from school or people are visiting from out of town or from other countries that visiting their family in different places and they haven't seen each other in a while. And so they want to embrace and that sort of thing as we share the warmth and family. But all of those things are things that we're not supposed to be doing this season because of this virus. And so it makes things very difficult to adequately celebrate uh, the Christmas season and what it has come to mean, in my opinion, with regard to family and, yes, even close friends. And so <clears throat> I hope that you found a way in order to, to, to satisfy that human need that we were all designed with as far as physical touch and embracing and exchanging feelings of, of love and appreciation. It's very difficult um, during this time, but hopefully you were able to do that. And so with that, we're going to continue on with chapter 10 again uh, in Jeremiah. Let's drop down to verse 3. Uh, well, first of all, the title says of this section, false gods contrasted with the creator. In other words, false gods contracted with real God. And so it says in verse 3, it says, someone cuts down a tree from the forest. It is worked by the hands of a craftsman with a chisel. He decorates it with silver and gold. It is fashioned with hammer and nails so it won't totter. In other words, he's building a statue out of gold and silver essentially to be an idol. In verse 5, it says, Like scarecrows in a cucumber patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they do no harm, and they cannot do any good. <laughs> and so what the Lord is trying to educate his people on is, look, these, these idols that people want to carry around and set up in their households, they don't do anything. Don't fear them. They can't do anything to you. And oh, by the way, they can't do any good for you either. And so, I mean, if you got them for decoration or, you know, like furniture pieces or whatever, that's one thing. But when you have them there in order to worship and pray to, that's something entirely different. And so, so he's trying to educate his people because once again, he was trying to keep his people from this stuff because that's what the other peoples did. And he did not want them uh, to, to inherit their habits, but they did it anyway. In verse 10, it says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and eternal king. The earth quakes at his wrath and the nations cannot endure his fury. And so if you want something to fear, fear God. <laughs> the Lord says, fear me. You know, you want something to fear. Not these idols, not these statues that were made by man that you carry around and worship. Now, for the most part, at least in our American society, we don't do that. We don't worship, um, you know, idols made uh, for the purpose of being idols. But we do worship created things, uh, cars, houses, jobs, you know, we, we do worship those things, and we put those things in a place above God. That's when it becomes an idol, when you have something that uh, exceeds in importance to you, God. You know, and so if this is elevated above God, it's an idol to you. 
And so he's warning against this, and he's warned his people against this time and time again for um, you know decades and, and centuries and centuries. Let's drop down to verse 12. It says, uh, He made the earth by his power, established by the world by his wisdom, and spread out the heavens uh, by his understanding. So by wisdom, he spread out the heavens. See, he established the world and spread out the heavens. See, and by understanding, well, I got that backwards. By wisdom, he made the world. And by uh, understanding, he spread out the heavens. They all came from him. And so let's go on and let's drop down to verse 17, uh, where the title says, Exile After Siege. And so this is talking about the, 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 uh, the Judean exile from, um, from Judah, from Ju Jerusalem to Babylon after Babylon had, uh, had seized the country because the Lord had put them up to do it because of their inequity and, um, and evilness. And so it says in verse 17, uh, gather up your belongings from the ground, you who live under siege, for this is what the Lord says, look, I am flinging away the land's residents. <laughs> so again, this is Jeremiah prophesying from the Lord. You know, he said, I'm flinging you away. I'm flinging you out of this land. I'm flinging uh, the land's residents at this time and bringing them such distress that they will feel it. There's not going to be an escape from feeling uh, this flinging that the Lord is going to do. He's going to take his people out of their homeland and fling them off into Babylon because of their iniquity and sin and wickedness and evilness. <laughs> the next section title says, um, Jeremiah grieves. So again, Jeremiah is called a weeping prophet because he, you know, he, he has witnessed uh, this stuff uh, firsthand. And so unlike Isaiah, where Isaiah was prophesying, you know, 170, 200 years out, sometimes 700 years out, sometimes 2,000 years out, um, Jeremiah is prophesying things that are imminent, <laughs> that are going to happen, you know, in a matter of days, weeks, months, or whatever, and he's going to live through it. And so we see Jeremiah grieved in chapter 19. Woe to me because of my brokenness. I am severely wounded. I, ex I exclaimed, this is my intense suffering, mm, but I must bear it. <laughs> and so we see that Jeremiah recognizes that part of his, his uh, responsibility is to bear this grief for um, what the people are going to have to endure. In verse 21, it says, for the shepherds are stupid. They don't seek the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered, and their whole flock is scattered. And so again, this is Jeremiah prophesying, and he says, you know, why I'm grieving, no, I'm grieving, I'm grieving, I'm grieving, and this is the reason why. For the shepherds are stupid. For the people that watch over the people, they're not talking about shepherds of animals, they're talking about government officials and what we would call uh, politicians and leaders in government. He says, for the shepherds, for the politicians are stupid. They don't seek the Lord, therefore they have not prospered, and their whole electorate is scattered. So let's kind of putting it in a modern day context. See, all of us citizens who vote for people, we're, we've all been scattered and whatnot because our politicians are stupid and they don't watch out for the overall good of the people. And therefore we have not prospered. 
we go on to um, verse 23. It says, I know, Lord, that a person's life is not his own. No one walks, no one who walks determines his own steps. So uh, Jeremiah is acknowledging that he knows that nobody walks alone, that we do not really have self-determination as we think we do. We think that everything is up to us, that we can do whatever we want and need nobody else's assistance. At least, uh, in many cases, that is a male perspective, a sign of uh, or a desire to uh, accept one's help and assist is, is like a sign of weakness. And so, so these are some of the lies that we swallow. It says in verse 24, uh, uh, Jeremiah says, Discipline me, Lord, but with justice, not in your anger, or you will reduce me to nothing. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, look, I know while it's painful, I know it's good for me to be disciplined. So, Lord, discipline me, please, for all the wrong things and all the stupid things that I do. Discipline me because I know you're going to do it for my good, and I'm going to eventually benefit by it. You know, discipline is one of those things that we uh, we benefit from, but nobody likes to 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 deal with it as we're going through it. And so, uh, let's go on to chapter eleven. Uh, the title, uh, the section title says, "Reminder of the Covenant." So the Lord is going to remi- remind His people of the co- of their covenant, and He says, "This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord." So again, Jeremiah is listening. The Lord's telling them that he's delivering. Listen to the words of this covenant and tell tell them to the men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem. So the Lord is telling Jeremiah, listen to what I have to say. And then you go out and you tell the people. He says, let a curse be on the man who does not obey the words of this covenant. Verse 4, which I have commanded your ancestors when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, I declared... Obey me and do everything that I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. And so he's going back in time. He's telling Jeremiah to tell the people, this is what I told your ancestors back in the day. And then he says in verse 5, In order to establish the oath, I swore to your ancestors to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is today. In other words, he says, if you do these things, this covenant I make with you, you will be residing in a land flowing of milk and honey. You will not be hungry. You will not be starving. There will be no famine. You will prosper. And and then Jeremiah says, I answered, Amen, Lord. (laughs) So so Jeremiah is agreeing with what the Lord said. We drop down to verse 8, but it says, Yet, they would not obey or pay attention. Each one followed the stubbornness of his evil heart. So I brought them on all the curses. So I brought on them all the curses of this covenant because they had not done what I commanded them to do. Because they were disobedient, the Lord is saying, okay, I made this covenant with them, but they didn't hold up to their side of it. So I brought all this stuff on them. And part of which you are suffering because of what your ancestors did or didn't do. In verse 14, it says, as for you, as for you, Jeremiah, the Lord's talking to Jeremiah now, as for you, do not pray for these people. Do not raise up a cry or a prayer on their behalf, for I will, be, for I will not be listening when they call out to me at the time of their disaster. <laughs> so the Lord's saying, these people are evil and wicked. Jeremiah, don't you dare pray, pray to me on their behalf. Nope, because I'm not going to listen. So we drop down to verse 18, and it says, The Lord informed me, so I knew. So this is Jeremiah saying, the Lord has informed me, so I knew this. I didn't know that they had devised plots against me. And so in other words, the Lord told Jeremiah Jeremiah, that these people that you're concerned about, they've been plotting against you. 
They devise plots against you. And it says, they've said, let's destroy the tree with its fruit. Let's cut him off from the land of the living so that his name will no longer be remembered. So these are what these people that you're concerned about are saying about you. They want to cut you off. They want to get rid of you so that you're no longer remembered. You're an afterthought. They want to ditch you. You know, some want to kill you. Why? Because he's the messenger. If they don't like the message, they want to kill the messenger. Let's get rid of him. And so then we drop down to uh, verse 21. It says, they warn, um, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will certainly die at our hands. So these are what the people are <laughs> telling Jeremiah. Don't prophesy at the day, um, in the name of the Lord. We don't want to hear it. You don't tell us anything good. You know, if you keep doing it, we're going to kill you. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Armies says. I'm about to punish them. The young men will die by the sword and their sons and daughters will die by famine. And so the Lord is saying, look, I'm not going to put up with this nonsense. They want to they wanna mess with my messenger, my man. Okay, you want to get rid of my man? This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> In chapter 12, it says Jeremiah's complaint. Jeremiah had an honest relationship with the Lord. You know, to me, we, this is the kind of relationship we should have with the Lord. Right? It says in verse 1, it says, um, you will be righteous, Lord, even if I bring a case against you. And so <laughs> Jeremiah's kind of prefacing the scene. He says, Lord, I know you. You're going to be righteous, even if I bring a case against you. Yet I wish to contend with you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the treacherous live at ease? Now, this is a question that's been asked for millennia. This is, this is one of the questions, this is one of the issues, this is one of the obstacles that people have with regard to, to coming to God, with regard to even believing in God. You know, because they said, look, look around the world, look at all the evil. If there was a God, why does this stuff exist? See, and a lot of people are sincere about that, but I think most people are not sincere about that question. What they're doing is they're looking for an excuse to be their own God so they don't have to subscribe to the true God so that they feel like they're in control of, what, of their life and they can do whatever the heck it is they want to do uh, without any consequences. And so it's a very selfish position. But there are people that are very sincere about this question. You know, they don't have any ulterior motives. They're very sincere about this question. And it says in verse 2, Jeremiah says, you planted them and they have taken root. You have grown and produced, they have grown and produced fruit you, uh, you are ever on their lips, but far from their conscience. And so Jeremiah is saying, look, these people, you planted them. You know, you, they've taken root because of you. He said they've grown up. They produce fruit. And he says, you're even on their lips. They even talk about you. But you're far from their heart. <laughs> you, you, you don't have any, uh, they don't want anything to do with you with regard to how they live their life the style in which they live, the manner in which they live. They don't want to have anything to do with you, even though you're on their lips. He said, these wicked people, you know, why do they prosper, Lord? And in verse 3, it says, uh, as for you, Lord, you know me, you see me, you test whether my heart is with you. So this is Jeremiah talking. He says, Lord, you know me, you know my heart, you see me, you see what I do, and you test me, you put me through the ringer, you know, <laughs> you make me do things, and, and I do them. I'm obedient to you. These other people, they don't do that, yet they prosper. Yet it looks like, you know, I follow you, but it looks like you, you've got your thumb on my head. You know, and I, I'm not having any fun, Lord. You know, why is this? 
And so then Jeremiah says, drag the wicked away like sheep to slaughter and set them apart for the day of killing. <laughs> and so what Jeremiah wants to do is he wants to see retribution, right? He wants to see these people pay for how they live and what they've done. And he's not, wit he's not witnessed that. He's not seen that. And so, again, this is a question that a lot of us ask with regard to how come it seems like these people prosper? How come it seems like they have all the fun? How come it seems like they get all the money? How come it seems, like, you know, and we who believe in you, it doesn't seem like we approach the status in life that they do. Why is this, Lord? How can this be? And so you know, what's interesting um, is the Lord's response. I think this is very interesting. And so the title of this section is the Lord's response. A response in verse 5. It says, If you have raced with runners and they have worn you out, so this is the Lord talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, if you have raced with runners and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? What the Lord is saying is, Jeremiah, I've got you in this thing and this is really minor and you're complaining about it. He says, how can you race with horses, dog? How can, you, how can you do with what I really want you to do if you're complaining about this? See, the Lord doesn't answer his question. The Lord poses a question to him to get him to see that the Lord has things um, for Jeremiah to do that he doesn't know yet, that he doesn't comprehend yet. So the Lord is training him. See, Jeremiah is in training. The Lord is trying to prepare him. And so he questions him, if you're whining now, then how are you going to fare when I put you in the situation that I want to put you in so that you can do what I really want you to do? It says, if you stumble in a peaceful land, what will you do in the thickets of the Jordan? And so if you're standing, if you, if you can't handle a peaceful land, when I put you in the ravaging waters of the Jordan River, what will you do? Verse, uh, yeah, and so that was the Lord's response. That, that's what the Lord's response to Jeremiah's question was. Uh, if you look at it in a certain way, that's not a very satisfying response. But from the Lord's perspective, what he was doing was trivial relative to what he wanted him to do. So his overall concern was preparing his son to do what he really needed him to do. And this was part of the training. You know, that's a perspective I think we need to think about when we start whining and complaining and comparing uh, our status in life with, uh, with other people. So comparison to me is of the enemy. Comparison is of the devil because that can really put you in a bad situation. Uh, let's go on to chapter 13. I find this to be very interesting. It says, um, linen underwear. So the Lord is going to make an analogy here. And it says, this is what the Lord said to me. Um, Go and buy yourself a linen uh, undergarment and put it on. Do not put, uh, do not put it in water. It says in verse 3, then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. And it says, take the underwear that you bought and are wearing and go at once to the Euphrates and hide it in a rocky crevice. And so that's what Jeremiah does. Then it says in verse 6, it says, a long time later, the Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah talking, go at once to the Euphrates and get the underwear that I commanded you to hide. 
So I went to the Euphrates and dug up the underwear and got it from the place where I hid it, but it was ruined of no use at all. Hmm. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says. Just like this, I will ruin the great pride of both Judah and Jerusalem, these evil people who refuse to listen to me, who follow the stubbornness of their own hearts, and who have followed other gods to serve and bow and worship to them, they will be like this underwear of no use at all. Now think about this, underwear. Underwear is something very intimate, right? It's, 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 it's the layer of clothing that lies against our body. And what does it do? It comforts and, protect, and protects gentle areas, sensitive areas, right? And so what the Lord is saying is like, he says, look, I have my people close to me for their protection, for their comfort, you know, uh, yet because they have been buried, <laughs> you know, because they have uh, uh, followed foreign gods, because they have turned the evilness and wickedness, because of all this stuff, they are now of no use at all. See, what I had planned for them, I can't use anymore because uh, they, they are now distant from me. I just think that's a very, very, very interesting analogy. And so <clears throat> let's go on to um, verse 21. It says, the destiny of Jerusalem. So if we drop down to verse 21, come on, 21, where are you? Here we go. It says, what will you say when he appoints close friends as leaders over you, ones you yourself trained? Won't labor pains seize you as they do a woman in labor? Uh, and when you ask yourself, uh, well, let me just stop there for a second. So just think about this. You know, when, if, if you're on a job and you're working and new employees come in and you train them and get them work, and then they get promoted over you, how do you react to that? How do you feel about that? You know, how you feel about when people who are, are your subordinates at one time, you know, supersede you and now become your superiors. So that's what the Lord is talking about here. And then it says in verse 22, and when you ask yourself, why have these things happened to me? <laughs> it is because of your great guilt that your skirts have been stripped off, your body exposed. The so Lord said, it's because you, you're guilty. You know, you're guilty of what? Sin, wickedness, evilness. It says in verse 26, I will pull your skirts up over your face so that your shame might be seen. Your adulteries and your lustful nying, your depraved prostitution on the hills. Uh, prostitution on the hills, that's a poetic language for you go up to the hilltops to worship other idols. And that's where you bow down to them. It says you, you deprive, you're deprived prostitution on the hills, in the fields. I have seen your abhorrent acts. Woe to you, Jerusalem. So we see here uh, that Jerusalem is being um, uh, talked about again for their sin and their iniquity. And so in a lot of these chapters here in Jeremiah and in Isaiah, we are uh, reminded time and time again of what Israel and Judah had done with regard to uh, to worshiping, recognizing, and following the Lord. You know, he has his prophets coming forth. And, and to me, you know, since this takes place over a myriad of years, you know, 
they were being consistently reminded and warned consistently but they never changed direction they kept going in the same direction so i have to believe that you know many of people were probably thinking that the prophets were crying wolf you know they kept warning this is going to happen this is going to happen they never saw it happen even the prophets and and priests start questioning you know why do the why did the wicked prosper and the righteous don't? You know, so th this had to be going on for a long time. So I think they just became used to hearing stuff and then it never happening. But the Lord's patience was not infinite. And they were going to have to pay the piper pretty soon. And they did. So with that, we will pick it up in chapter 14 tomorrow. Everybody have a blessed day and take care. Bye-bye.